Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have a good guest today, Trey Granger. He's the Chief Algorithms Officer, I guess the CAO or CAO, oh, I don't know, at uh, LucidWorks. And they, uh, they've developed an AI-powered search. So we're going to talk about uh, what that means, what that's about, and how it helps and how it works. So, Trey, thanks for coming. How are you doing? Doing quite well. Thanks for having me, Richard. Yeah, so what, what is uh, the primary goal of LucidWorks? What's the company about? Sure. So LucidWorks is a uh, is a search company, an AI powered search company. Um, you know, we've got um, hundreds of customers across the Fortune 1000, uh, and essentially we help them, uh, you know, take their data and you know allow either customers or um, employees to um, access the data and, and find relevant results. So that could be matching in terms of. Uh, you know, keyword search that could be recommendation engines. Uh, maybe there's there's chat bots, and uh, they're trying to have a question answer system that's intelligent, um, or even lots of analytics use cases. Uh, so we help companies do that. Um, the way the way I kind of think of it, um, that I describe to most people, like the twenty second overview is, uh, you know, you have your your Googles and your Amazons out there um, that have large teams of engineers and data scientists internally that, that obviously power their, their products, their, their search applications. And then you have everybody else, um, you know, all of the big uh, digital commerce companies, people who just need to be able to search their documents internally. And so uh, they, they come to us and, and we help them uh, build uh, intelligent uh, search applications where they can expose their, um, you know, e- either their, their products to customers or um, all of their internal knowledge to their employees. Yeah, I was going to ask you because Amazon and Google, I mean, essentially dominate search. So is the goal for them to license your search or it sounds like this is more for internal for companies, I guess, for searching their knowledge base or maybe dealing with customers so that uh, they can help customers in their product or like how is it used? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, uh, most people, when you ask them, what is a search engine? The first thing that comes to their mind is Google. I um, mean, Google is a kind of search engine. They're, they're a web search engine. Uh, but you know, Amazon is a search engine as well for searching products. You know, if you go to you know Walmart or you know Home Depot or Lowe's or you know, you sort of like go down that list. Um, you know, every company when you go to their website um, typically has a search interface. Um, I, I would ask you actually, like, if if you think about maybe the top ten websites you go to on a daily basis, um, how many of them don't have a search bar at the top? Or or better yet, is that not the very first thing you do when you go to their website? And I've, I've used them, but historically it was always powered by Google, Google and it was just garbage. So, I'd, yeah, I guess frankly I've been trained never to use them because I never expect any results. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, there's um, there, there's some good open source options for implementing search, 
And a lot of companies will um, will use those options sort of out of the box. It's not that hard to get started, but like you said, the, the results aren't very good. And so what we do is we allow companies to have um, experiences that are more like you know a Google or Amazon experience for for their customers and for the products. And so yeah, they typically you wouldn't see LucidWorks name. Um, on you know any of the these Fortune 1000 websites, but um, we're powering a lot of them. But if you think that perhaps other people may think like me to varying degrees, uh, instead of just having a magnifying glass saying search the site, I would think you'd have to frame it and you know let people know, hey, it's a new tool that that works really well to search this site or to find what you need. I don't know, maybe somehow incorporated it into the navigation with prompts to make yep. it more likely that people will use it. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny um, when people think about search, they do think about the search bar, uh, but search is actually used to power navigation, search and match for for lots of sites. So if you think, you know, when when you go to that search bar and you start to type and you see that autocomplete come down, that autocomplete is leveraging the data to power the search. But also, you know, when you see categories lists on the side of the page or, you know, those drill downs or even often the page navigations or the site maps and uh, a lot of times that's all very data driven. Um, and even if you go to products where you're seeing charts and graphs and analytics um, on the website, um, 90% of the time that's, that's being driven off of, you know, the, the core search engine. So search, search is really kind of ubiquitous. E- even when you go uh, to, you know, when I say search, uh, you know, if you talk to um, Alexa or you know, Siri or, or, you know, Google home, you're asking questions, but ultimately what you're doing is you're running a search. Your, your query just happens to be in the form of a question and you get an answer back. But um, th- those are all just various forms of, of search. Yeah. Do you have an issue um, for companies? Are they telling you that once you install your search on uh, you know, a big Fortune 1000 company site, are people using it no problem or are there any barriers to it? I mean, it's just my assumption it would be, but maybe I'm totally wrong. Yeah, I mean, so w- one of the challenges with search, like like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's really easy to you know just install something and get up and running, but the results typically aren't very good out of the box. And so, lots of companies will uh, get things up and running, see that the results aren't very good, and then uh, spend you know hire lots of people and spend years and years manually tuning the search engine. You know, for example, to say, hey, when somebody types in this query, I want these products to show up at the top. Or when someone types in this word, it's a misspelling and I want it to actually search for this other word. And so you can imagine, do the, the sheer breadth of kinds of, um, of searches people run, that that's essentially an, an unmaintainable um, solution to just you know, continue throwing people at it and manually adjusting things, uh, which is why uh, you know, my focus in particular is on uh, this notion of AI powered search or creating a search a platform and, and using search technology in such a way that the engine can automatically tune itself. And uh, that, that's what we do at LucidWorks. And um, that, that's what I've spent um, you know, the majority of my career focused on um, and writing about and, and speaking on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not, um, I, I wouldn't say it's easy, um, but you know, companies like LucidWorks, uh, have really smart people who are able to build these technologies and algorithms so that other companies can, can plug it in and, and be ready to go, um, you know, very quickly. Um, I don't know. Is there a way to force search on a website for a period of time so you can get an accurate depiction of what people will actually type in? Cause I would think that people are assuming, Oh, uh, people are going to type this in and I want them to see this and that. And like you said, manually tune it, but they may not be typing that in at all. Like, how do you know, yeah. 
what people are typing in. Yeah, for sure. So um, there's lots of techniques here. And the way I think about it, uh, the goal of a search engine, no, no matter what kind of search engine, you're searching for products, you're just searching for documents, what have you. If, if you just think of search as a type of activity, um, the goal of the engine is to understand the user's intent and to bring back the results that best match that intent, whether it's, you know, maybe they're just browsing and, and the answer should be a list of documents, or maybe they type in a specific product name and, and you really just want to bring back the one right answer, um, or they're asking a question and, and you want to get the, the fact and, and give them back the fact. The, the goal is to understand the intent of what they're doing and bring it back. And the way I think of it, uh, there, there's essentially three dimensions uh, of user intent. Uh, one of those dimensions is the content itself. So that's, you know, the word that somebody types in, the documents that you're searching through, you know, do those words match in the documents, you know, do the categories match. Um, so that, that's sort of the, the, the content dimension. Um, another dimension is the, uh, the, the user um, understanding dimension. And so in this case, you're talking about not the content itself, but what are the behaviors and actions the user takes? So for example, if, uh, if somebody searches for uh, the word iPad, and then the results that come back are a bunch of iPad cases on the first page. And so maybe they scroll to the second page and then they click on the result that is the actual iPad product. The engine should be able to understand from those clicks. We, refer, we call them user signals. Uh, to understand from those signals what people actually want to see based upon their behaviors relative to any given query. And then over time, the engine can automatically tune to, to push um, the, the best answers uh, to the top of the results for future users based upon previous user interactions. So those are the first two dimensions, the, the content-based dimension and then the, the user understanding-based dimension. And then the last dimension is, is this notion of domain understanding. And this is where, you know, depending upon whether you're talking about a digital commerce company, maybe it's a, a you know, a, a retailer selling electronics, maybe it's, a, you know, an e-discovery company that has to search through emails and legal documents, uh, maybe it's a, a biotech company, and there's lots of, you know, drug names that they have to be able to search through and relate. Um, that this domain understanding really gets to the notion of what is the business about, what is the content about, um, you know, is there some sort of a knowledge graph that can relate all the entities and phrases and, and understanding of that domain? And so really a search engine at the end of the day um, needs to strive to understand the content, the users and the domain so that when somebody types in a word or a phrase or when they interact with, you know, particular documents, the engine knows exactly what the nuanced meaning of, of what they typed in is. And, and just as one example, um, you know, let's say I've just got a general search engine and somebody types in the word driver. Um, you know, what does that mean? Just that single word. So in, in some contexts, the word driver could mean uh, maybe an, an Uber driver, someone who drives a vehicle. In some cases, uh, it could be like, like a printer driver or like a embedded systems driver for, for a computer. Um, in other cases, it could be um, a kind of golf club. And so depending upon the domain, that word might have different meaning, but also just dependent upon the context. I could have the exact same user hop off an airplane, uh, walk outside and type the word driver into their phone. And the phone should know that they're looking for, uh, you know, a taxi driver or an Uber driver versus if somebody's, you know, at a, at a sports uh, store or on a golf course, it, it should take on a different meaning. And so the context of the user not just what they type in and the context of the domain are very important in understanding and ultimately giving the right results back to the end user. How much, I mean, how do you train your AI on 
what this particular business or industry or website needs and what we'll search on and what's that process look like? Sure. So, you know, I, I can talk, so I'm, you know, I'm writing a book on, on AI powered search and then, uh, you know, at my company, you know, at Lucidworks, we, we work on it as well. Um, the, the core search engine, um, it, it think, I think it was a Mac matching and ranking engine. Um, but in addition to just, you know, taking queries and, and matching, uh, you also have to have uh, processing of, like I mentioned earlier, signals. So, so every time somebody comes to, uh, you know, run a search in, in the search box, that query is logged. And then, you know, maybe they see 10 results. Um, the results they see are logged, you know, which results they click on are logged. And then um, those signals can ultimately be processed um, offline to, to generate machine learning models. And so, for example, one kind of model uh, is a recommender model. So this is, you know, users who purchase this product also purchase these other products. Uh, that's very useful when somebody comes to a page on your site um, and you're, you're trying to maybe recommend an item for them based upon items that other users have seen before um, or maybe based upon that user and items they've seen, you want to show given items. Um, or um, maybe when somebody runs a search, you just want to personalize the results. And so instead of showing a static list of search results to every user, maybe based upon um, one given user, you can you can cater the results. So for example, if, if I went to uh, like, uh, like a Home Depot, uh, for example, uh, and I were searching, if I, if I was searching for, um, you know, a stainless steel refrigerator, and then maybe I search for a stainless steel um, range uh, made by Samsung, and then maybe I search for, you know, a, a stainless steel washing machine made by Samsung, and then I go and I search for microwave. Uh, ideally, the search engine can know that I'm doing some sort of a home remodeling project based upon uh, what I've searched for previously, maybe pick up on the notion that I'm looking for Samsung products, and, and ideally also pick up on the notion that everything I'm looking at is stainless steel. And if there happen to be stainless steel um, microwaves made by Samsung, ideally those would move up to the top of the results because that's what the user is intending, even though they only typed in the word um, the microwave in that case. And so um, that's one example where we're, we're learning from specific users' behavior, as well as the overall behavior of, of many users to, to, like in the iPad example I gave earlier, where when, when many users search for something, you know, click on a result that's way down in the list, um, that result's probably the best answer or one of the best answers, and the models can move it to the top. Um, and then, of course, on the, the domain understanding piece, it, it's possible to take the, I think of it as um, the, the connections between all of the words that exist in the documents. Um, so, so the notion uh, is that words that commonly co-occur together are probably related to each other. And so, um, so some research I did a while back and um, some capabilities that we've implemented um, build something called a semantic knowledge graph. And what that semantic knowledge graph does is it allows you to take any word or phrase that exists in a company's content and to understand what the other important words or phrases are uh, within the content related to that term or phrase. Uh, so for example, um, let's say you had a, uh, a careers website uh, where somebody's going to search for jobs and they type in the word, uh, they type in the phrase Java developer. Using something like the semantic knowledge graph, we can actually leverage all of the job postings that exist in that website to understand that a Java developer is related to the skills 
Java or, you know, J2EE, or um, you sort of like go down the list of different technologies that might be related to that term. And, and all of those things can be learned automatically from the content because words that um, words and, and skills and entities that are related to each other commonly co-occur. And so it's really easy to get a nuanced understanding of the query well beyond just the words that were typed in. And so if you sort of think of these as different models, some focused on understanding the content, some focused on understanding the users, uh, some focused on understanding the domain, uh, the, the engine behind the scenes is constantly learning and adjusting and getting smarter and essentially tuning its own relevance so that over time it just gets smarter and smarter and better. Have to think there's tons of surprises when you work with companies and you know you look at their existing data they would probably assume one thing and then reality is totally different or are people pretty right on do they know what people are searching for and they just can't help them to get to the right product yeah so uh you know in terms of products you know so digital commerce kind of companies almost everybody keeps logs of what their users are doing uh, but in terms of understanding and processing those logs, uh, most companies aren't very good at it. And so, um, so yeah, if you, you know, we, we will often take the queries people are running and, and break them into sort of uh, what we call a, a head tail analysis. And so uh, if, if you think of uh, a curve, there, there's a lot of terms and searches that people uh, will, uh, will enter very, very frequently. Um, those are the head of that curve. Um, they come in large numbers. And then uh, the, you've got sort of the torso, which are queries that are searched for, you know, somewhat frequently, but not that often. And then you've got the long tail, which are, you know, the, the, the millions of things that people type in. Many times a query is only ever seen one time. Sometimes you see it, you know, multiple times. But uh, the, the head queries are usually pretty easy to, to handle by building models that understand from user behavior how people are actually interacting with results because there's a lot of data that can power that. Uh, when you start to get into the, the torso, uh, usually the, you have to start taking some slightly different approaches, relying less upon um, understanding of user behavior and more upon understanding of the domain and content. And when you start to get into the long tail, it gets much more difficult. And typically, um, you know, typically you have to focus more on, on keyword understanding and then trying to relate you know, more specific queries back to more general queries to get better context. Well, what about um, buying behavior? Let's say for, and I keep thinking e-commerce, but there's other stuff involved, but sure. at least in the world of, of e-commerce, buying stuff, what are the buying keywords? And then if it's a service business or some kind of other business, what are they buying or the appointment uh, creating keywords, the, the juicy ones? Are they in the head, tail, torso? What? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's, it's interesting. And zooming out for a second, the, the very first thing when somebody types in a query that you often have to do is uh, understand the sort of type of query you're dealing with. So for example, if I go to a website and I type, you know, kitchen, uh, that's not an indication that I'm going to buy something. That is an indication that I'm browsing um, and I want to see things that would go in a kitchen. And, and I'm likely to look at lots of different documents and go multiple pages deep because I'm not trying to buy something I'm trying to learn. Uh, on the flip side, if I were to type in, uh, go back to my example earlier, you know, Samsung stainless steel microwave, that's a much more specific query. Uh, or even if I type in a specific product, you know, uh, SKU or, 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 um, or ID, um, those are more indications that I, I know what I want and I'm trying to, to, to look at it, maybe to see the price or maybe to actually purchase it. And so oftentimes uh, the more specific a query is, 
the more of an indication that the user knows what they're doing and they're ready to buy. Whereas the more general it is, um, you might take a different tact. And so in some cases, uh, companies will actually provide different experiences based upon, uh, based upon those two different intents. So if it's, if it's more of a browse intent, they'll take you to a page where they highlight the different kinds of things or the different product, maybe the different brands. Whereas if it's very specific, sometimes they'll take you directly to the product that they think you're searching for and maybe show you some recommendations for similar products. And so um, oftentimes being able to, you know, it's not just about the, the specific keyword, but also about the, the kind of search being run. Um, and, you know, other common searches are things like support or um, help or, you know, if, if going outside of a, you know, an e-commerce example, um, say it's like a, you know, telecom or cell phone company, you know, people might type things like pay my bill or, you know, something like that, which isn't actually a query at all where you're looking for information. You're actually looking to take some kind of an action. And so uh, the, at the end of the day, a search box is really uh, a natural language understanding input field where you're essentially giving your customers or, or your employees um, an interface to talk to the system and it's the job of, of the search engine to be able to understand them as best as possible and to answer them uh, with, with the most you know, relevant results. And, you know, most companies uh, aren't that great at providing answers. Um, they, they sort of get by. Uh, but the, the cutting edge companies are the ones who are, are really applying these AI powered search techniques. What about uh, returning users? Is that a big fraction or not really? Yeah, that really depends on the use case. So, you know, for some companies, they require you to create an account before you're allowed to even you know, run a search or, or use their services. Um, in those cases, returning users tend to be obviously you know, a much higher percentage. Uh, and you can really sort of track users over time, understand their interest in, and build an experience that caters to them very strongly. Uh, for most uh, retailers or you know, digital commerce companies, uh, returning users, you know, it, it varies. You know, maybe it's Five percent, maybe it's forty percent, but you know it's 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 usually on the lower side, uh, and so they they really have to cater to to new people coming to their websites, um, maybe running a search, seeing a few pages, um, and if they don't capture their attention very quickly, then uh, th- those folks are likely to leave. You know, maybe they landed there because they came in through a through a Google search, and once they hit the site, if the you know if they type something or click on something and the results don't look relevant very quickly. Uh, they're likely to bounce from, from the website. And so, uh, you know, and in, in, in for some of these digital commerce companies, you know, a 1% increase in relevance and in, in bringing back better results and giving a better experience can, can be millions or tens of millions of dollars. And so a lot of, especially digital commerce companies tend to invest very substantially in improving the quality of their search and matching systems because, um, you know, there's a direct correlation between improving relevance and their bottom line. Uh, the, the interesting thing though, is that almost all of the techniques that can be applied to these digital commerce use cases can also be applied to um, enterprise use cases. So, you know, your typical enterprise search use case where you'll pull together all the information from uh, within an organization and allow employees to search it and, and find things, whether that's, you know, searching for a document um, searching for a topic and wanting to see people who are subject matter experts in that topic, um, or, you know, even looking through, you know, Slack or, or social communications and, and trying to relate all those things together. Um, it, it can really be a boon for, uh, for employee productivity and, and all of these same techniques that 
um, digital commerce companies are, are paying significant amounts to to build um, and, and to invest in uh, can also be applied in the the we call it the digital workplace use case, but the or, or the enterprise search use case. Uh, so it's really interesting. What's the future of search as you guys see it? What's next? What's next? So. There's been a lot of innovation in the last five years in the field of natural language processing. So specifically, search engines themselves uh, have historically been fairly keyword based on keywords. You type in keywords and you find documents that match those keywords. Uh, we're getting now into a place where it's possible to take questions, to take in sort of any sort of free form uh, text and really understand the meaning of it or have, have the search engine understand the meaning of it mathematically and to be able to understand, for example, that you're asking a question about a person that's related to a company or you're looking for a list of documents or you're looking for you know, a specific fact and based upon the kind of query that you submit. Um, and so search engines are very much evolving now, not to be a search engine in the traditional sense where you type in a query and get a list of 10 blue links, but to really be um, things that are, are domain, domain aware, um, are intelligent, and are able to move more towards um, conversation and, and delivering answers and action as opposed to just um, you know, a, a set of documents that somebody can go look at. This intersects very nicely with the rise of personal assistants like, you know, again, Google and Alexa and, and Siri um, or, or chat bots. Like when you, when you go to websites now, uh, you you typically see a little chat interface in the bottom, right. That, you know, asks you a couple of questions and ultimately routes you to, to somebody in customer service. But ultimately those chat bots are going to get much more intelligent and be able to carry on deeper conversations. And the search interfaces that we see today, uh, I think are also going to start becoming much more intelligent and, and start automating the process of, of supporting and understanding customers. And so we, you know, we, yep, go ahead. So what, what size customer is big enough for you? Uh, what size customer is too small? What industries, who would benefit from your search? Yeah, so, you know, LucidWorks customers are across lots of different industries. Um, you know, everything from, uh, you know, e-com, digital commerce, uh, web search, Reddit's, you know, one of the largest websites in, in the world, the thing like fourth largest in the U.S. Uh, we, we help power search for them. And, you know, financial services, biotech, uh, it, it really, at the end of the day, we're providing intelligent search capabilities to power lots of different use cases. Uh, the main two that we focus on uh, tend to be digital commerce and uh, digital workplace or, you know, retailers, online retailers, and, you know, helping enterprises search their internal content. But most, um, you know, most of these other use cases can kind of fall within there. And so what a lot of organizations do is they, um, leverage us for you know one use case. Maybe it's you know selling products on their site, but then very quickly realize that hey, this technology is very powerful, and we can also leverage it for call deflection. So, uh, for example, uh, you know one of our customers, Red Hat, they um, they actually leverage us um, on their support portal. So when customers come to uh, their website and are, you know, looking for, maybe they've got a problem with a product and they're trying to search for, you know, if other people have seen that problem or if there's an answer or solution, uh, you know, if they very quickly find the answer, then they can solve their own problem. But if instead they can't find the answer or there's too many answers and it's, it takes them too much time, they're going to pick up the phone and call to, um, you pick up the phone and call. And so, you know, by implementing our technologies, you know, they were able to significantly reduce their, um, customer support 
requirements in terms of you know number of calls coming in and and ultimately inc increase the click throughs and, and the likelihood of customers finding what they were looking for and so so things like that where you know in in some cases it's about trying to sell more products and have better conversion rates uh, in some cases it's about uh, trying to deflect calls and and have less support requirements and in some cases um, for digital workplace, it's about it's ultimately about trying to make employees more productive um, and, and and happier. And so, you know, we, we typically focus on you know companies. You know, a lot of most of our customers are in the Fortune 1000. So, you know, like a, a small startup with a you know, small budget is probably not going to um, be ready for us yet. But you know, we'd love to talk to anybody who uh, who, who has one of those scenarios where, where they think we could add value. Well, very good. And, and where can they go for people interested? Website? What do you recommend? Yeah, you can just check out our website. Um, it's it's lucidworks.com, L-U-C-I-D-W-O-R-K-S.com. And uh, yeah, definitely reach out if you're interested. Uh, some, some pretty powerful technology. Um, I'm also in the process of writing a book uh, titled AI Power Search, Powered Search. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of the techniques that we build into our commercial product, you know, will be in there more for data scientists and, and engineers who want to better understand this technology. But, uh, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of resources out there and uh, you know, the, the cutting edge of, of this entire space. So uh, it's a, it's a pretty exciting field to be working in. Very good. Well, Trey, well, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You've been listening to the finding genius podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.